Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1 with It's For Women, the car insurance with extra benefits like personal accident cover. Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1 with It's For Women, the car insurance with extra benefits like personal accident cover. You're very welcome to the programme. Well, coming up in the next hour, how a single moment can change life forever. I'll be chatting with Keith and Orla Walsh about the cycling accident which left Keith paralysed from the waist down, but how never looking back gives them hope for the future. Also today, the remarkable story of Marguerite Penrose, a young woman of mixed race, born and reared in Dublin, but repeatedly asked, where are you really from? As always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on anything featured on the show. You can text us to 51551. You can email Miriam at rt.ie or you can tweet at Miriam O'Cal. But first, this morning, I'm joined by two people whose lives were changed forever in a split second almost four years ago when Kieran Walsh's bicycle was in a collision with a car as he cycled home from work. The accident left him paralysed from the waist down. His story, however, and that of his wife Orla, is one of incredible courage and bravery and positivity. Kieran and Orla, good morning and welcome to you both. Good morning. morning. Yeah, lovely. Delighted you're here. Listen, let's go back before October the 1st, 2018 and the accident. How was life for you both before then, Kieran? Um, We were living a, a, a very blessed life, I guess, in terms of we had three lovely daughters. Uh, they're all very healthy. Um, I can't give out about them in normal <laughs> uh, life. We had a, a nice home, summer home. Uh, we had a, 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 a travel a lot. Yeah, we had a... A, a, a good marriage, we'd like to think. I'd like to think. <laughs> sometimes. Uh, sometimes, yeah. Um, and, yeah, we were, I, I played a lot of sports. We spent a lot of time with the kids, obviously. Um, would have played golf with my youngest a good bit. Um, played squash around the corner in Old Belvedere with the, the vets and uh, Division 5. And, yeah, just generally enjoying life. I worked in, in uh, finance um, and another, oh, oh, another few areas uh, over the course of my career but yeah life life was good life was good yeah Yeah. and I know Orla you're an artist and you'd been working I think towards a big show at the time yeah. hadn't you yeah I was working towards a show in um, the Dean it was going to be a solo show and uh, it was four weeks out and um, Kieran had been taking on a huge amount of all the family um, activities <laughs> like you did all the hockey runs you did you minded the kids you were doing the washing which I really missed after the accident. Because <laughs> <laughs> Kieran was always so busy yeah. that he was up at half six in the morning. So he was like, the washing would be done, that'd all be. And so I could just draw and paint. And I had a studio that was built onto the kitchen. So I'd just be working there full time. And basically, I'd been flat out for a couple of months. So we hadn't had weekends or anything. So yeah. the night of October the 1st, 2018, then, which isn't that long ago, actually, you mm. were expecting Kieran home, I think, that evening. Yeah. Tell me about that. Did you start to worry? When he didn't arrive by the usual time. No, no, it was it was great because it meant I, I hadn't dinner ready yet. And also, well, not that I've been cooking it, but I was going to try. And um, Kieran would have punctures. Um, something might, you know, but he delayed at work. 
and you know so I wasn't that concerned I was actually delighted because I got tests and we flew down to the shops because I said he's delayed now came back up with a roast chicken did a bit of potatoes and said because Karen loves a, a, a roast and it was a thank you for him being so good for the whole weekend like we hadn't gone or done anything and he just let me draw um, so um, when the phone call came through um, it was his phone and I remember looking at the phone going oh great um, and answering it and it wasn't his voice and knowing immediately that he'd had an accident because a man's voice on your husband's phone asking you are, are you his wife Um so I actually asked him immediately. <laughs> I just said, is he dead? <laughs> yeah. I was just so shocked because I just felt he was quite quiet when he spoke to me as well. And I felt, you know, it wasn't like, oh, my God, your, your husband's broken his leg mm. or something. And I said, um, how badly injured is he? And he said, well, he is badly injured. And I was like, is there blood? Like I was and he was like, yeah. I said, where's the blood coming from? And the poor man. And then, of course, Ali was listening to me. Um, she was our eldest daughter. Our eldest daughter. So, of course, she came racing down the stairs and she was just getting ready to go on a night out and was putting on her lashes. And she took them off, the glue, and she stuck them on the table in the hall where they stayed for months. I remember we used to walk in and out and somebody has to take those away from there. But it was like just jarring, you know. So that was the first thing that we'd heard. What do you remember, Kieran? Um, Tell me about that day. Yeah, no, I remember everything. I'd been on a, a business trip the week before to Boston. And uh, so I, whatever, was cycling just to, it's like a detox, I guess, anyway. So I was cycling home um, and I was in the bike path and a car was turning right and pulled across me. I hit the brakes, went over the handlebar and thank God I had a helmet on. Um, Orla had... Uh, bought me a bike a few weeks previously so the brakes were, were highly tuned I hit the brakes went over the handlebar hit the car straight on with my head um, and uh, basically was conscious for the whole thing um, slid down the, the side of the car then um, broke 10 ribs my sternum and my spine obviously as well um, and uh, the helmet smashed went into my uh, head um, and look but as I said thank God I had it on because God knows what, what could have happened uh, if I didn't have it on um, I hit the car in a bad place it was you know there was an awful lot of bad luck involved in every in every step of it I, I was sort of slung shot over the, the, the handlebars which didn't help um, and then whatever I was lying on the ground and as it happened that the first two people who came across me were first responders one was on on a day off and the other was on on sick leave and they came over and you know like you see on on the all the medical programs can you feel this can you feel this so they were feeling you know my legs and of course I couldn't feel anything um and uh they got as far as 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 my my chest. I basically have no feeling for my uh, chest down, um, and I sort of knew at that stage that that was there was that this was obviously very serious, and uh, a, a, an awful lot of pain. I was still, I guess, in shock at that stage, um, but I could still feel feel quite a bit of pain, and um, they were calling an ambulance, and there was people around looking distraught uh, 
and all the traffic had stopped obviously and they put up a you know a barrier around me and then I was just waiting for the the ambulance to come so and eventually and then as Orla said somebody took my phone I, I asked them to ring my whatever my wife and I could hear my daughter crying in the background which is obviously um you know very traumatic uh to, to hear so so upset and then um Were I you waited under the car then for about an I was under the, I was around, yeah, I was around an hour. uh, I was lying on the ground and um, I could feel pain. I felt like if they could move me in a certain direction, the pain would go away. Um, But obviously then they knew better than to move me too much. Um, And uh, I started shivering and freezing, obviously, whatever the signs of shock and stuff like that. So they just put... um, blankets and coats over me when the blankets and then um yeah I was there for roughly an hour and then the ambulance came and that was a a, a particularly unpleasant drive into uh I'll always remember the 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 ramps going down Elm Park Road around the corner from here um they, they'd always stick out in my mind and then was taken into St Vincent's um A&E and uh I guess that started the the medical journey from from there on in when you were lying there, Karen, I mean, people always think about those moments. Did everything flash through your mind? Did you think to yourself, this could be life changing? What, or do you just think about surviving? What do you think at that time? I think at, at that stage, the pain hadn't really kicked in. Um, so you're caught up in the moment. I was anyway. I wasn't uh, thinking into the future too much. It was really... When is the ambulance going to be here? Um, and it was more about oh my god, again the the phone call with with I could hear it with Orl and all of that. How is the family going to be? Um, you know, and hearing them all so upset. But you certainly weren't thinking that far into the future. Mm. Even with the can you feel this? Can you feel that? You sort of know that there's something coming. But you know, at that stage, you're always. You know, again, in 24 hours or whatever it is, there's always, you know, the end of the programme where, you know, and we're delighted to say Johnny walked out of the hospital three weeks later. So you're just uh, you're living in hope as well at that stage. So you don't you don't assume the worst. Meanwhile, Orla, you headed off to the hospital to. Meet yeah. Up. So um, uh, I think a guard rang me again, a, a lady guard and a man guard. She, anyway, she rang and she said that they were going to, you were going to go to Vincent's. So I rang my brother and told him that, you know, Kieran had had an accident. So he came with us and we arrived in Vincent's and we were way ahead of him. Um, arrived in and they said, yes, there will be an ambulance coming in. And we waited in the A&E and we'd stand outside and we'd see the ambulances come in and about four came in and every single one of them were bike accidents. But everyone walked or came out in a in a, in a a wheelchair and were chatting. And so as each one came in, it was like, OK, you know, this could be fine. And then finally you arrived and my brother went out and he went into the ambulance and had a chat with you and came out and he said he's you can go in and see him they said you can just go into the ambulance and say hello to him before they bring him in and I went in and you were uh, like you were in such a bad way and they had the big red cushions around your head there was your your head was pointed do you remember because Mm. it was all swollen and you had a neck brace on and you just looked at me and said I can't I can't feel anything 
you know and I was saying to you oh you're just bruised you know you're really because you know mm. you must have broken your legs and you know so nothing you just don't think that far you just think no 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 this is still going to be fine and we went back in and they brought you in and I went up to the desk and the lady was lovely and she said well they just settle them in now and I'll come out and tell you immediately what it's all about and what's going to happen and I was sitting there my brother and then his partner arrived Kate and with the girls were there and it, they it, the lady came out and she said you know we have a lovely family room in behind here that if you're and there was loads of people just sitting there and I said no why do you want us to go into the family room then I said oh god is it because this isn't good news for us so we moved in and we went into the family room there and we stayed there for uh, hours and uh, slowly but surely uh, friends things were you know people were phoning other people and friends arrived my parents arrived and by the do- time the doctor came out to talk to me, we hadn't seen Karen through all this. Um, he just sat with in another room, my brother and my mother, and he just listed Karen's injuries from his head down. And he just started at the top. And it, it was just so, like he said, we've staple gunned his head. Um, his neck is broken. His um, chest, he's broken his ribs. He's broken his sternum. Uh, there's blood behind his heart, his lung has collapsed, his back is broken um, and he can't feel anything from uh, there down. And he says, so that's, that's, that's where we are. And I had a cut in my toe. Oh, you had a cut in your toe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he cut his big toe. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, what? Well, he can't feel it. Yeah. So, but it was so, and he left the room and I, and I just sat looking at my mother and then I, I kind of immediately went hysterical followed by just immediately quiet. And just went, right, well, OK, what do we do? Where do we go to tell the guards? Can we see him? And we went in to talk to you. Yeah. And um, I wasn't very chatty. You weren't great. No. <laughs> were you um, aware at this stage of how bad things were? Yeah, I was. Uh, the, the pain was kicking in then at that stage. So that that was, to be honest with you, that absorbed an awful lot of your energy. And they had started giving me all the painkillers. Um, that they could um, and it's like one of those things when you see people coming in and you can see the look of devastation on their face mm-hmm. it's becoming fairly obvious that uh, this is really serious and um, the you're, you're sort of asking any doctor that comes in and of course they're not giving you any definitive answers mm-hmm. so you're you're sort of left in limbo. But again, you're still hoping that there's there's a path through all of this, that this is something, you know, in three months that, that you can put behind you. Um, and uh, they took me off then for various scans. So, you know, they, they, they took a, um, an MRI scan of my back. Um, and, you know, I think at that once they'd seen it, it was fairly obvious that it was a, you know, a catastrophic injury to my to my spine and even I think we met someone a while ago in the A&E who said that oh we remember when he came in yeah and so you know so even in the context of people in an A&E it was an event um I always remember whatever that sort of the life-changing catastrophic ones yeah yeah so uh, and but I I was just you know pain painkillers would kick in and then you'd be living in hope and then you're trying to get bits of information which they can't give you my sister then had that she had been she was just flying home from France, so mm. there was people dribbling in and out, friends were coming into the room, and every one of them looked like you know 
mm. looked like is he going to live? It didn't. It didn't fill you full of hope. Um, so yeah, it was tough. It was. It wasn't. Uh, At what stage did you realize that you wouldn't walk again? It was probably a couple of weeks later because what what happened then after that was I I went for um, surgery on my spine to the matter so I was transferred that night um, to the matter and then there was a period um, probably around three weeks that I was you know not really with with it at all um and it was only after that that period that that I was told that it was what thought they referred to as a complete break um so some people can have an incomplete break where there's bruising around the areas and as that that the body heals itself um you start getting functions back um but whereas they they again they probably knew but I had 3 weeks of of not having a clue what was going on been very very heavily medicated, um, where where I didn't know. So you're extremely ill. At yeah, the time. and I, yeah, I got very sick. Uh, you know, outside of let's say just the spinal injury in itself, I I wasn't well for, for quite a while. Yeah. And when you, after those weeks when you were very ill, and then you were, I suppose, recovering in terms of not being that ill anymore, but then realizing that you weren't going to walk. Did you feel you had to stay positive for or like it, it or, and then in your quiet moments, is that when they're very dark moments initially or not? When you're so do you, no, did you get no. upset? No, I, I, I don't think I did. I think it was um, uh, you, you very dark humour, um, really dark humour um, was probably the one sort of constant in it. And Orla was brilliant. So when I was going through that, the. Uh, let's say those three weeks they kept trying to throw her out and uh of the room and i was uh, whatever wanted her to stay there um and it, it you know i remember looking at the clock and it would go you know literally five seconds felt like an hour it was horrific and having her there was the only thing that sort of kept me sane um and that lasted for as i say maybe a yeah a couple of weeks and then um after that once you know you start coming around as you say then you know even after the realization that you wouldn't walk again you're you're looking forward to the next stage which is to go to the nrh um and uh People are coming in. I, I had a huge amount of, like a, a massive groundswell of support from family and friends. Um, you know, my my sister was amazing. I mean, mm. we were talking about we can't, don't don't really want to mention other people because mm. we just leave so many people out. There was literally was um, tidal waves tidal of people coming in the whole time, so you didn't have time to fixate on yourself and lie there. And to be honest with you, when I wasn't doing something that was to do with medical or somebody was in, I was asleep and that they were mm. my state. So I, I think having all that support around me meant that I didn't have time to look in on myself too much. And, uh, and so that was, yeah, so I, I don't think it went too dark at any stage. No, that was and, just the initial. And you stayed really positive, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we were just you just you just moved along with everything that was happening because everything was so fragile mm. and it, it was even impossible to come to terms. And I remember meeting a nurse who said to me, no, just think about tomorrow. 
because it's too it, it the the injuries were so vast that you couldn't you, your head couldn't comprehend like I was there what happens when we're older and like oh my god and how will you get like all these like there was I just saw it as like it was all too much so when we kept it day to day it was much easier and we'd talk and we'd laugh and we'd say right we're we're on a chill we're going to take a year out of our lives you mm. know little did we know COVID was coming along but we said we're just going to relax and deal with every day as it comes and like I think the first few days the devastation was like as if somebody had died and then I remember about the third morning going getting up and it, again every time you woke up you cried and you're just getting up and you're going why you know why am I doing this and then it was like and then it was like well actually he's alive he's He's alive. And it was like a a realisation of he hadn't died. And then it was like, actually, we're lucky. Actually, we're unbelievably lucky because in a few weeks or in a couple of weeks, he's going to be actually able to hug me and mm. and kiss me. And, 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 you know, and he's still there, you know, and uh, the, the, the wish and the humour and the crack. So it, I, I, it was a sudden realisation of we hadn't lost. Um, and that really helped. Yeah, yeah there, um, was, there was two times where... I basically that I thought that's it. I'm I'm yeah. I'm I'm dying. I'm I'm out of here. I I couldn't breathe, um, and it was, you know, it, I thought that's it. And the guilt that came with that was overwhelming. And we've talked about it after mm. that having a version is better than no version. And I think that, you know, strangely enough, nearly, uh, you know, were thinking you were going to die. And I always remember Orla screaming at me, you know, don't you dare die. And um, they're delicately whispering in my ear, whichever way, a different But there was a very, like, yeah. it was a huge situation of where his oxygen levels were dropping. There was loads of people in the room. They were talking, will we incubate him, will we leave him, what we do? He was gasping for breath. They were moving him to the ICU and they took his CPAP mask off you and you just turned your head and you just said, you know, I love you as if to sort of say, you know, mm. that that's it. And I was like, what? what? Don't you, don't you dare. Yeah. I said, do, do not leave me in the girls. They were like, get her out of here. I said, you leave me in the girls. I'll never speak to you again. Like, <laughs> and then when you woke up, you thought you died. Yeah, no, I had. So as I say, it did help us in a strange way thinking, OK, well, there is a version. It's, it's, it's not, you know. It's it's certainly not an upgrade. It's not Kieran two point but it was it was, uh, it was something. And then, I think from that point on, we sort of looked forward really, and yeah. and, and thought, okay, well, how can we make the best of where we are? And you sure have done that. So you went to the NRH, didn't you? Yeah, I went to to, to uh, Vincent's for for a good few weeks in a holding pattern until there was a place in the NRH, and then we went to the NRH. <laughs> And you were explaining to me before we came on air, it's it's an amazing place really, isn't it? But like yeah. a lot of the guys were there were saying, you're the lucky one. Explain yeah. that. Go on. So there was uh, people who have, you know, you, you think of a spinal injury and, and they're all the, the, the same. But obviously the higher up, then the more um, loss of, of, of functions you have. So it, again, very dark humour. There was people in there who those... Declan, who was in the, the bed next door to me, you know, was higher up and therefore had more challenges than he used to. Whatever the joke was, like the Monty Python scene, <laughs> that's only a flesh wound, you know. So um, you, you, you have to, 
you know, you're all going through physio together. There's a great camaraderie. Um, you know, Fergus who who walked out again. It was he, he's doing a he's rowing from New York to Galway. Um, so in the next month, uh, after not being able to walk for a while, so, um, he's doing that next week. So best of luck with that. So there's yeah, there is an awful lot of, um, and the people in the NRH themselves, the 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 nurses and the healthcare assistants, uh you know were absolutely incredible and they they're they, they normalize it yeah so for them this is this is life and they're giving you the skills and um you know uh the, the physios have been incredible um you know i'm still I, i'm i have a treatment with one of the guys later on today um still trying to to you know, get the life skills that I need, and um, you know the OT that I had was was absolutely incredible. So, yeah, the 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 NRH was, you know, it you you would want to stay in there for a year basically to try and get yourself as as strong as you can. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was it was you you going from a hospital where they're trying to keep you alive to going for somewhere where you're actually moving forward. It's a different mindset. You can actually see, okay, and there's other people who would be six weeks ahead and you're looking at that person, oh my God, he's he's actually got out of bed by himself. Um, so seeing people who are further on gives you the encouragement to say, okay, well, you know what, I can get there and I have to get there. And, and, and yeah, so that was that was Because you good. were both explaining to me, you know, even sitting up in a wheelchair, Karen. Because your core, explain that to me, even that requires a lot of training to be yeah, able to so, do that. So it, it might sound stupid, but but if you lean forward, you use your core muscles to, to stabilize you. So I don't have them anymore. So usually if, if, if you start falling forward, your your body goes, OK, you know, tighten the muscles around your stomach and you're straight where my brain hadn't been trained yet to, to, to function that way. So as I start falling forward, I just I'd fall into my lap and I'd be panicking, thinking, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to keep going. Um, and uh, now I know to use my head, throw it back and my shoulders. So just, you know, simple techniques like that, that your body learn and they, they take time that, you know, that you can you can people can tell you what they are. But uh, yeah, the, 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 they're they're skills that you learn over time. Yeah. And Go on. Sorry, even from bed to chair, yeah. like uh, trying to get you from that bed into your wheelchair was massive. Yeah. 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 We're going to take a break. You're going to stay with us, Karen, and I will just take a quick break. Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1. Sunday with Miriam on RTE Radio 1 with It's For Women, the black box car insurance that lets young drivers drive safe, go further and save more. Tweet at Miriam O'Cal. Welcome back. Well, I'm here this morning, still joined by two people whose lives were changed forever in a split second, almost four years ago, when Kieran Walsh's bicycle was in a collision with the car as he cycled home from work. The accident left him paralysed from the waist down. Um, Orla, then uh, when he left the NRH, obviously, he, he came home. Was that yeah. daunting? Um, how... Oh, it was, was unbelievable. That? It was it was really scary. But the NRH had made, you know, strides towards us. Like they had OTs out to the house and um, they'd come in, they'd measured the bathrooms. My brother's a builder. He came in, he we changed the, the playroom at the front of the house. Now, it wasn't ideal. It's still very small, but we were able to get a hospital bed into it. We got a, a, a sliding door 
put in to the downstairs toilet and um, had it ripped out and put in a wet room and um, so that it was all ready for mm-hmm. him when he came back. So you felt more comfortable in knowing that, you know, he was going to be able to function with carers uh, in the home. But the first time they brought you home was a surprise for Charlie's birthday and mm. they brought you home in a big uh, electric wheelchair because you still couldn't move forward at the time. And um, Kieran, it was quite exciting because you were coming in and it was the f- first time in the house in months and months and months. And we hadn't told Charlie. But by the time... they Charlie's one in, of your daughters. One of my daughters. Yeah. So by the time they drove into the driveway and tried to get you out and the wheelchair has to come down and everything, the girls were all sitting on the stairs crying because they couldn't believe it. They were so excited and couldn't believe you were home. And then you were so, you arrived at the house and by the time you got in, it was nearly 20 minutes later. They're like, how are you, Dad? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you missed out on all the, those sort of like emotions and everything. Yeah. But, you know, still, you know. Were you worried about yeah, yeah. going home? I, you know, you're terrified because you're in a you're in a, a, a cocoon and your, your every whim is looked after. You know, when you have a problem, you've got someone there as an absolute specialist. In the so, NRH. In the yeah. NRH. Yeah. So going home um, and, and having to, you know, transfer from a bed to the wheelchair, all of those sort of things. And, you know, it... it I had marks on my skin because I wasn't doing it properly and all that sort of stuff. And then you're anyway. But so there's a, there was an awful lot of things that you still didn't have the the skills, skills to function properly. So you still had an awful lot of learning. So, yeah, so it was quite daunting. And it yeah. was very frightening. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And we had we had we'd six months of not hell, but we very, very stressful times trying to learn how to care properly for you at the time now yeah. he's brilliant mm. but the the it, it was hugely involving and we had to really get stuck in because the care we had was two hours every morning and for the rest of the 24 hours a day it was just us um and family and friends who'd come and help but it was just it, it was difficult at the time but we got through it yeah. and it was always because you knew everything was going to get better so no matter what you know, it was going to get better. But I think we were shocked at the amount of illness, um, the amount of sores, the 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 trips to hospital. The Medical minute he got procedures. his first cold, he ended up in Vincent's for two weeks. Within like five, six hours, mm. um, he was in Vincent's for a couple of weeks. And this just seemed to be routine. Mm. He would be well. It was like feast or famine with you. We'd be all delighted and go, oh my God, you see light at the end of the tunnel. Then no, we're back again. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. No, you can take your time. He's just coughing. Yeah. You take your time there, Karen. But yeah. But he's an amazing guy because tell us the story. Do you remember initially he basically said you should leave him? Oh, yeah. Because he was being so selfless, wasn't he? Oh, completely. Because it was the night of the accident and he'd been moved from uh, Vincent's into the matter where he was going to have his operation and they'd put him up on the fifth floor and we're waiting for the surgeons. It's about four in the morning and uh, a doctor came in to do a pre-exam. Um, before he went out of surgery and he was running a pin down his body and really at that stage we were kind of in our heads we were like you know once you have the surgery then we'll know more and you know this is not what we think it is and he ran his 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 pin down you yeah. and then he just looked up and we said you know so you know he'll, he'll walk again won't he once once he's and he said oh no actually he said the, the break is bad enough to know he said we're, we're really just going to put him back together and the two of us just stood there and you just went no um, I want you to walk out of this room not look back and take the girls and I, I'm no use to you now like I'm no like I have nothing I can do for you so you should walk away you should walk away now so it was, it was, it was anyway 
Sorry. Oh no, no. So it's funny because we I'm don't not talk about crying. Yeah, we no. don't talk about the accident that much no, because no. we're always focused forward. You know? Yeah, and, and rightly Sorry. so. Yeah, no, sorry. no, but it, I mean, it's a tribute to the love bond between the pair of you mm-hmm. and how strong your marriage was, isn't it? That that you are so happy. Yeah, no, as I said, at least looking forward, we have an awful lot to, to look forward to. Yeah, we still have a, we still laugh. Um, and and have to crack and sit down and have pizza with the family and mm. whatever and all those things, you know. So we're we're blessed in in so many ways. Oh, so I think we have to to look at the good things in our lives, um, of which there there are so many. We're, we've got fantastic family, uh, fantastic friends, um, and we can have great fun with them. And so that that's what you have to focus on. It's really uh, enjoy it where you can and. You know, there, there, there are always setbacks. I was in hospital three times this week, and that's fine. And um, so, but you just, just have to, you know, like, like anybody else in life. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Everybody in life has has, has challenges, and challenges. You know, so you know? it's it's uh, you know, and mine are very visible. Um, other people's mightn't be as visible, but. Um, yeah, you just got to get on with it and, and, and make the best of it. And yeah. you're blessed to have each other, to be honest. And you're an incredible person, Orla. I mean, I only oh, met yeah. you once before and I I, I was I, I remarked from afar. I watched you as a couple, actually. I didn't know you at all. Yeah. Um, but he is like the lead is taken from you in a way, though, Karen, because of your attitude to your accident. You know, would you agree with that, Orla? A hundred percent, because um, he was... He never once cried and wept and said, I'm sorry for himself mm. or he was always concerned about what the next step was for us. Um, were the girls OK? Are we OK? And we just go like even in the hospital very quickly, it was like, well, we'll have movie night mm. and we cook dinner and we'd sit in the HDU. And like, no, it was a couple of weeks on, it was six weeks on. And but we, and we'd watch a movie on the laptop and I'd actually have to do all the, do you remember the laptop stuff? Because usually he'd have to do it because I wouldn't know how to work it. But anyway, I, I learned all he of learned. it. <laughs> but I, we, we yeah. did have a huge kind of, you always were focused and you weren't maudlin. You know, you just got on with it, the, the which whole, was great. The whole idea that I have the lead in the marriage is just so, so alien. <laughs> well, I, just, I hope this has been recorded. Yeah, yeah. To, you know, that's yeah. normal. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you used lockdown order to help families like your own affected by spinal injuries. Tell me about that. You, you know, with your. Oh, the, the so tea. the tea. Um, so when you go in and out of a hospital and you're there for, for for months on end, you go in and out of every canteen and you're tearing open a tea bag. And it was like the little Barry's tea tea bag every time, whether I was in a garage on my way to the hospital, whether I was in the canteen, we'd tea coming out of our ears, do you remember? And it was lovely. I remember at the time thinking, when I finish this, I'm actually going to paint that because it just signifies like we never got home to make the, the pot of tea, but we had a single bag on the go the whole time. And so I painted it and did a fundraiser with spinal injuries um, and the support for like it was Barry's Tea. It, it was phenomenal. And they sold out in um, in a couple of hours, which was incredible. You know, it was fabulous to be able to do it. Are you back working, Karen? Yeah, no, I have a couple of part time roles. So I, I, I'm on a couple of uh, um, boards um, that, that are paid roles and then a couple of uh um, sort of voluntary boards, one of which 
Kinia is a, is a very good uh, organisation. They raise um, funding for uh, sort of deprived schools, desh schools and stuff like that, particularly around technology, uh, providing technology. You know, around COVID, an awful lot of the technology wouldn't have been available. Um, so we, we provide support in that areas and um, one-on-one tutoring, reading and math. So it's a fantastic uh, charity. So... Uh, I, lo- I love uh, working with that the most. Just for my listeners who can't see you at the moment, but you both look incredibly well, both of you, beautiful couple. You look really healthy, Karen. Do you do a lot of body weights? I, I, upper- no, yeah, seriously. Yeah, no, what I, I always promised her I'd be... I'd He's be very a, handsome. He always yeah. said to me, yeah. he promised me you'd be a Marine from here. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd be a 90-year-old man from, from there down and a Marine from there also. I, I, we've got weights installed in the house, so I try and Great. do them. I haven't uh, only in the last couple of weeks. So I do try and work out as much as I can. I'm getting a hand bike. I have one at home that's a station. I'm getting one that I can get out and about. And uh, yeah, so you, you have to like, because if you don't, it's the old thing. If you don't use it, you, you lose it. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And your girls are doing fine, Orla, the three girls? The three girls are doing yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, they're doing fantastic. Ali's yeah. just graduated uh, from speech therapy in Trinity and um Charlie is in second year doing engineering and uh, Tess is going to do the junior cert. Oh, she, well, yeah. they're all, the, the an baby. avalanche yeah. of beautiful text. You're Miriam, such a lovely couple. They're so inspiring. Another says they have each other, two fabulous people. Another said, Miriam, such a heartbreaking but heartwarming interview. An amazing piece of radio, hugely admirable guest. And one more says, so happy for you both. My husband's bike was hit, but he wasn't so lucky. He was only 30. God bless you both and he oh, wishes you very yeah. best. But listen, we're going to play out in a song. Oh, yeah. Because you're super positive. Tell me about this song. Okay, so this is a song that we, it's like a family song. Any any big night or anything yeah. we're doing. No wine involved. No, <laughs> never, never, ever never. any wine no. is uh, Mr. Blue Skies. And we run around the island in the kitchen. And uh, when Kieran was well enough, we push him around in his uh, wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> it's always like a fun thing for the all of us. And actually, and friends, everyone knows Mr. Blue Skies because it's it's party on it's, it's great regard is the happiest song apparently it is yeah, yeah. well Orla and Karen, you're an amazing couple thank you both for being my guests this morning and another no. 50 years of great health to you both thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having us yeah, it, was it was wonderful a, it was a yeah. privilege oh thank you